I have two questions to ask you to start with. Number one, what can you do, what can I do, as a Bible-believing, Jesus-loving Christian, do to change the culture around us? It's a question to you. My second question to you is, what is your front, my front line, or my leading position? Think on those two things as we go through the Word of God and look at it together. What can I do as a Bible-believing, Jesus-loving Christian do to change the culture around me? What is my front line or my leading position? We can look at culture around us and how it's changing so quickly. I mean, I use a, I, I've, I've just found out what a mouse is. You know, I am totally useless. and People laugh at the way I text. I didn't realise if you press a green button, it does all the spelling and grammar for you. So people get, you know, what I always say, a Pentecostal message. I write in tongues. <laughs> and if I've got a problem, like me, you probably could ask a five-year-old, how do you do this? Because we're living in a very different culture that way. When I first met Ian, he worked with computers And he took me in to see a computer. I'm not kidding you. It's half the size of this room with large, enormous, magnetic, um, what do you call them, tapes on the wall. Enormous. When I went through, I had to take my shoes off and you go through a... Now I can get all of that on a little thing that I can stick in my pocket. It's changing so quickly, isn't it? I saw someone paying something on a watch. Everything's changing so quickly. But we're in a culture that is doing the best it can to pull us away from God. To pull us away from church. To pull us away from the truth. Compromise. Engage a little bit. After all, we've got to be modern, haven't we? Haven't we? We've got to be a part of it, haven't we? Of the new culture that's going on. 1 Galatians, or Galatians 1, chapter 6, verse 7 reads, We need to be on guard. We need to know the word of God. And we need to stand firm in it. Would someone like to read the actual words? Galatians 1, 6 and... uh, Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Is this happening today? Is this what is happening all around us? Confusion. There's an advert, isn't there? Confusion. Can it happen to me? A friend of mine, a friend of 50 years married, has just left his wife and gone with someone else. Hasn't he, Jackie? Because God told him. God told him to leave his wife and go with this much younger woman. And live as man and wife because God told him. He has got confused. A man that read read his word and 
strong in his word. Spoke to his wife yesterday and the divorce is going through and she's got a cellar house and everything. If I'd said that to him two years ago, he'd have said never. That's why it says stand firm. If we're not standing firm, if we're standing wobbly, sandy foundation, be aware. We can be sucked under. Stand firm in the word of God. Stand firm in your Christian faith. Today we look at the news. Oh gosh, if you're at 10 o'clock at night, we have nightmares, don't we? I mean, if it, I would never go and see it as a film. It would be XXX, wouldn't it? It would be so awful. We look at the news and we see new cultures, gang cultures, drug cultures, knife killing. And it's not something that happens once now and then. This is daily on our news. There's a, a knife culture, a drug culture that's come in so powerfully. Yes, there's always been wickedness. Yes, there's always been killing. But it's grabbing people. On Thursday, I loved your prayer when you said, no one is without sin. But you know what? God ain't got scales either. Because on Thursday, I was with two rapists, a drug dealer, an attempted murderer. And you know why I'm there? Because I can say to them, but for the grace of God, and my sins have been forgiven too, and yours are no bigger than mine. Now, in the world, they'd say, what? What are you talking about? But God hasn't got scales. He tells us that sin separates us from him. Sin. Not how big it is, not how small it is. Sin separates us from God. And the wonderful thing is, if these men fall on their knees and repent, and I pray they do, and really repent, they're entitled to go into the kingdom of heaven as much as any of us. That's the sort of God we've got. It don't make sense to us, does it? But that's God culture. God culture. So what can I do? What can I do in that? Praise God for street pastors. Hallelujah. Youth workers who go into schools and talk. Praise God for them. Prison chaplains who go alongside these people. You and me might not be able to do any of that. But we've got the greatest weapon going. And what is that? What? Prayer. Sometimes we just don't realise how powerful prayer is. I can't do anything. Well, I don't know where I'd be if it wasn't for people praying for me. Prayer is powerful. We're actually breaking through the supernatural and we're meeting with God because of Jesus. It's powerful. Me and you can change culture by praying. Thank God for our police, for our social workers. But praise God for those that pray. Really pray. Can someone read 1 John 5, 14 and 15? Sue, would you come and read that for us? 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15. It is in my Bible. Yeah, no. <laughs> 
and 14 and 15. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked him of him. We know that we have what we asked of him. It's a bit of a fantasy, but the, the, the practice is right, yeah. See how powerful prayer is. You might not be able to go out and be a, a street pastor. You might be able to praise God. Or come to prison. But you can pray. I couldn't go into prison without knowing, and I know that there's people lifting me up in prayer. Because I'm a caddy custard, you know. Prayer is powerful. Pray for the change of the culture of our world, of our country. There's some cultures in churches that are are different and we accept them. Sue came to us when we went to Romania, didn't we, Sue? But we all had to wear a we all had to wear a, a scarf. I remember I didn't have one and my friend tore us in half. <laughs> Truly. But we do it. I'm not going to stand there and say, well, I don't think that's right. Not in this day and age, you got it wrong. No, it was their culture and that was fine. I covered my head. One of the churches we went to in Romania, women were one side, men were the other. I didn't like it. But it's their culture and that's fine, isn't it? If I go to India, as a Christian, they ask me not to wear jewellery or makeup. That's fine. So I don't. I might say some of the youngsters are rebelling a bit, but <laughs> that's their culture. And it's beautiful and I love it. And I will take part in that. Why would I want to go in all jewelled up and face painted if they don't like it? It's their culture. It's fine. When I go to the Congo, women would never, ever wear trousers. So I would never walk into the, you know, their church wearing trousers. It's their culture. These cultures are okay. No need to change them. No need to say, well, you're wrong. No, it's okay. But we need to look at the cultures that are trying to rob us of our love for the Lord Jesus Christ. We can be oblivious to what's going on. When we first joined Elim, before it was Elim, it was called the Four Square Gospel. And they had a word that they preached and they lived by it from 2 Corinthians 16, 7. Come ye out and be separate. So they took that scripture literally. And if you belonged to them, you didn't go to the pictures. And my old cinema, isn't it? Sarah goes to me, what? <laughs> Pictures. Cinema, you know what I mean. The cinema. They wouldn't go to a dance. They wouldn't go into a pub. They wouldn't go anywhere. I said to one of them, well, would you go into Tesco shopping? You know, you're going to meet with people anyway. But no, come here and be separate. So you don't invite your neighbours in because you might get tarted, contaminated, whatever. We're taken out of context totally. So we can be like that. We can be oblivious to what's going on. I'm not going to be a part of that. Why do I want to be a part of that? Or we can sit and complain. It wasn't like that in my day. I know what I would do, and I've had it said to me many times. You've got a prison, don't you? I'll put a bomb under it, get rid of the lot. 
I've heard it so many times. I fight, I'm telling you my sin now, I fight a critical spirit. I fight it. I can be so critical. Oh, look at her dress. Oh, stop it, Lord, in the name of Jesus, bless her. I can be critical. You can be critical of the culture today. Wasn't like it in my day. I think it's disgusting. I know what I would do. I know what I think. They put them all in the army. Have you heard these things said? Is that going to change culture, I'm asking? Is being oblivious going to change the culture? Is being complaining and critical going to change the culture? But the big one, compromise. Even calling it in love. Engaging with unchristian things and their culture. And sadly, it's even creeping in to our churches. Sadly, we're allowing some of the things that are ungodly creep in. I remember years and years and years ago when I used to go uh, to Suffolk and I don't know if anyone remembers Roy Hessian. He wrote Calvary Road and that, a very sound man. But he had someone there and he was in India. And he spoke about a terrible, uh, the monsoon had come and a terrible flood was coming through. And so they put all the sandbags outside so the water wouldn't come through. But they never saw the crack in the sewerage pipe in their own house. And drip, drip, drip in their own home was toxic filth coming through. We can blot out everything outside and be unaware of the little bits that are coming through. And it's very subtle the way it comes through as well. Are we allowing compromise to interfere with ours? Now could someone please read Hebrews 13 verse 8. You all know it. You could all read it out without looking it up. I know you can. Hebrews 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. So, you know, why would we dare to say, well, he didn't actually mean it that way. He's not. He is the same. He's not going to change. And I'm so pleased he don't change, aren't you? I'd hate a wibbly-wobbly relationship with God. As Christians, we can, you and me, influence, even change the culture that we live in. I know people here that will pray and invite people that are struggling, people that are of the world, if you like, into their homes. I know people here that do that. I know people here that have gone into the street and fed the homeless. I know there's people here that have done that. You are changing the culture of this world. Giving for the prison work. My dear Amy brings me two bags of carrier bags filled. I tell you, it is so difficult to have those bags of biscuits up in Ian's study 
when I when I haven't got anything to eat, Dan said, "Oh, not, and I'm not allowed." I think Amy would do a nut. Amy brings me big carabagfuls of biscuits for the men in prison. Someone else gives me jars of coffee. Don't you? You're a part of it. Part of changing culture. Part of saying to people, so many of them have never been loved, never been cared for. You know, we care. Because that's where Jesus would be, wouldn't it? Yeah? Am I compromising? Am I allowing little things to creep in? Jesus said, I'm the same yesterday, today and forever. He never change. And his word don't change. So what have we got to be? Well, the word says we've got to be salt and light. Jesus taught these words on the Sermon on the Mount. And again, would someone please read Matthew 5, 13 to 16. Come and read that from here so we can all hear it. It's so powerful. Matthew 5, 13 to 16. Anyone got it? You are the salt of the earth, and if the salt loses its flavour, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your life so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You are the salt of this earth. But if it's left in the canister, I've got one of these grinder things and it's got a lid on it and it's really funny because I find when people come, they often turn it over and start doing this, they take the lid off. No good. Salt hasn't come out. Sometimes we've got to take the lid off. And it's the light, isn't it? A light is the brightest in what? In darkness. The darker it is, the lighter that light is. So, remember when you were children, you sing, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Did you used to sing that? Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Yeah? We can influence this world. Do I have to join in with it? Read the book of Daniel. There was a man who didn't compromise. There was a man who stood strong, refusing to act in their culture because he knew it was not what God done. We have something in us, each one of us, called the Holy Spirit, And we have a choice sometimes that's not easy. Do I compromise with my faith, with my job, with my social standing, my family, my friends? 
When I was seeking God, when I was so unsure about this word, he took me to a passage that I love. Joan, will you come and read it? Because I I told Joan what it was. It was Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 11, and then 14 to 18. Verses 1 to 11, then 14. This is powerful. You listen to this. This is God culture. And he wants us to have it. Therefore, if there is any encouragement and comfort in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship that we share in the Spirit, and if there is any great depth of affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, having the same love toward one another, knit together in spirit, intent on one purpose, and living a life that reflects your faith and spreads the gospel, the good news regarding salvation through faith in Christ. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with an attitude of humility, regard others as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this same attitude in yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus. Look to him as your example in selfless humility, who, although he existed in the form and unchanging essence of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped or asserted, but emptied himself without renouncing or diminishing his deity, but only temporarily giving up the outward expression of divine equality and his rightful dignity by assuming the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. After he was found in terms of his outward appearance as a man, he humbled himself still further by becoming obedient to the Father to the point of death even death on a cross. For this reason also, because he obeyed himself and so completely humbled himself, God has highly exalted him, bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess and openly acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Do everything without murmuring or questioning the providence of God, so that you may prove yourselves to be blameless and guileless, innocent and uncontaminated, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a morally crooked and spiritually perverted generation, among whom you are seen as bright lights, beacons shining out clearly, in the world of darkness. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that amazing? You can be a bright light for Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? But we can't do it on our own, can we? We cannot do it. We've got to have the light of Christ within us to go out. Paul wrote this letter when he was arrested and in prison, like he wrote a lot of his letters. Philippi was a, a Roman colony. So Paul was facing resistance. It had been much easier for him to say, okay, all right, all right, all right. I'll do it your way, as Frank Sinatra sang. But he stood firm. Even though, even though he suffered persecution. 
And many came to the Lord because of his letters. And they too, many of them were persecuted. We can't all be William Wilberforce's. What a wonderful man he was, eh? And we all know about him. We learn about him in school. We read about him. He was not going to just accept the culture of slavery. He stood up and he would fight it even though people were against him. Mother Teresa, little lady, little nun, could have closeted herself away, decided to go where people were classified as unclean, lower class. And she, she didn't say, well, are you Catholic? You're not, oh, never mind, I'll go to that. But she didn't care. She wanted to show the love of Jesus, this little lady. And she said, let me read what she said. She said, the love of God, show the love of God everywhere, even in this culture. Dear lady, Corrie Teen Boom, another lovely lady, so brave, would not accept the culture that was going on. Ian and I went to Holland and we went and saw her little It's tiny. Has anyone ever been to her little house above the jewellers? It's tiny. And I don't know how these people in her bedroom, there was a sliding wall. I mean, it must have been like that. Because it was only about that. It was... She was so brave. And you know the story. Has everyone read No Hiding Place? If you haven't, I suggest you get the book. It is wonderful when a woman and her family changed the culture and she stayed firm. Firm, firm, firm. Even in horrible things that happened. And she used to say, if you've got a problem, what do you go to? The phone or the throne? She knew how to pray. I suggest, if you can get the DVD and watch it, or get the book, please read it. It's an amazing story. She saved Jews from the Nazi Holocaust, where she eventually went in herself in a concentration camp with her father who died there and his sister, a sister that died there. But she came out and preached the word of God until she was 92. And I don't know if many of you know the story, but she was in a church preaching on love and she saw a guard come in the back and she said she was filled with hatred. And she turned around and she said to God, you know, you're kidding, aren't you? And God gave her the ability to love. He didn't recognise her, so many prisoners. But he came up and she shook the hand and showed the love of God. What a woman. We can't all be Corrie-Teen Booms, can we? And I, when I was sitting there, I was looking at these. Wilberforce, Pankers, Nightingale, Bernardo. We can think of the Salvation Army. We can, we can think of the Methodists. We can think of all different things. People started up the hospice, the schools, the things to change culture. And there was only one person that done it mainly. They saw it and said, I ain't going to stand for this. So my first question to you was, wasn't it? Do you remember the first question? What can I do, you do, as a Bible-believing, Jesus-loving Christian, do to change the culture around us? Well, that's a personal question to you. But the second one is, what is my front line? 
What is my leading position? Where are you that you can change the culture of this world? Where are you? Is it in Waitrose, having a cup of coffee, going to speak to someone? Is it your neighbour? Is it that bloke who sleeps in the street? Is it my prayer room? I'll end with 1 Corinthians 16.14. Be on your guard, stand firm, and be men and women of courage, and be strong and do everything in love. So church, let's be world changers and let's influence the, uh, the culture we're in. When Adam was a young teenager, he walked with the Lord. He sadly is not in the same place now. He is coming back. The Lord promised me that and he is actually coming back. But he, um, he was so firm and strong. And he was ridiculed at school. And I had, I don't know if it was a, I don't know if it was a vision or a dream, of a school of fish, little tiny fish, hundreds of them, swim, 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 and one coming the other way. And they was all shouting at you, going the wrong way, you're going the wrong way. But while they were saying that, they were unaware that there was this big whale with its mouth open, which they were all going to be sucked into. You might just be one little fish going in the opposite direction to everyone else. But that little light can shine for Jesus. Thank you for listening. Amen.